morning, church. Here we go again with another opportunity to study God's Word and continue with the idea of falling in love with with Jesus. Tonight we want to continue with the resurrection. The resurrection is, is such a critical, pivotal point in in history that is one that we, the children of God, cannot overlook or or um, not treat as a vital to our our faith. So let's let's finish or pick up where we left off and uh, see if we can finish the resurrection tonight. John eleven and verse twenty five is where we're going to pick up tonight. It is good to see you here. Uh, it's good for those who are online. We thank God for your your presence. John eleven and verse twenty five. Jesus said to her. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And so when Jesus began to teach this type of a message, the understanding, if you will, uh, of the Roman Empire, where the Roman Empire would say, well, we're in charge of you. We are in charge of your life. We are in charge of your death. And these Christians held faithful and true to God because they recognized that the Romans really, in reality, weren't, in charge of anything. They were only in charge of themselves and their own decisions. And so the resurrection for the child of God uh, proved that the power of God was evident and obvious uh, for the children of God. It was evidence that these children of God truly had the forgiveness of sins. It was evidence that our Lord is the sovereign God. Jesus Christ truly is the Son of God whom they crucified is evidence that there is life after death. And Jesus says, even if you die, you live. And so there's life after death. And so Revelation now, chapter 5, I want to look at verse 5. Revelation 5 and verse 5. So when they crucified Jesus Christ, and it should have been over, the reality is... <laughs> It was the beginning. There was this image that I saw um, some time ago. It was a cartoon clip. And it was uh, Jesus, you know, had been showed the, the tomb. Uh, and it, But there were two images. One was of hell and his angels having a party. And then there was an angel, uh, two demons looking, and they saw the tomb empty. And they said, uh-oh. And that's exactly it. It was the uh-oh, right? You crucified God by the plan and predetermined plan of God, and now you're going to pay the price for it. And there's no way out except for to surrender to Jesus Christ. It gave the Christians the power in their minds to live and to die for Jesus. And you think about that for just just a moment. There were this... um Severe persecution that came our way, and and the understanding was, brethren, if we go out of this door, we're going to die. And then Jesus comes in the midst of us and says, don't worry, if you die, you live. We'd run out that door, right? Because our faith, our faith would be tremendous, at least in that moment or in that hour. And what I want us tonight to think about is, I want you to think about your faith tonight. Think about the power of of the resurrection tonight. Revelation 5 and verse 5. And one of the 
elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures, the elders, a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And so Jesus has the answer for the immediate destiny of the church. Paul begins to preach. And Paul says that if Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ has not risen from the grave, this whole world, from Adam to the last man that lives on the earth, this whole world is doomed. There's no way that anyone would go to heaven without Jesus Christ rising from the dead. Not just dying, but rising from the dead. So the argument within the gospel, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the argument within the gospel is not just that he died, was buried, and rose from the dead, but understanding that if he has not risen, we, the Christians, you're wasting your time. You were here tonight. You were here on Sunday. You, you've been here over your lifetime. You, you've wasted your, you've wasted your life. But that's not the case, is it? Listen to what 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 12 says to us. Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised and our preaching is vain, your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we witnessed against God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hope in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. I mean, think about that. Think about the, how religion would be such a failure, how the church of Christ is nothing more than a failure if Christ has not risen from the dead. So what I want to do tonight is show you that even from the from early the time of early Genesis around the flood, we're going to the book of Job, that even from that time all the way until today, and until the last man that lives on the face of the earth, there was always this question about life after death. There was there's always been this conversation that has been, I believe, stimulated by God, that there is a life after this life, that this is not it, this is not all, that the resurrection is not a New Testament teaching. In fact, the foundation of the resurrection is in the old, the foundation of the Bible is in the Old Testament. Um, but the foundation of the resurrection is in the Old Testament. So when Jesus comes along and when he preaches the gospel and all the messages about uh, the resurrection and salvation, 
we have to remember, be reminded of and recognize that this is not some strange teaching. It's not something that's new. It's something that people of the Old Testament understood. Okay. I'll give you one, uh, one, just, just one thought where David said regarding his son, uh, the, the, the infant that died, I will go to him, but he will not come to me. How does he know that? How are you going to go to him? And if you go to him, where are you going to go? Where is it? Where is he? See, they had a real clear understanding that there is life with God after we leave this place. So, we'll go to Job. Uh, we'll start at chapter 14 and verse verse 10. But man dies and lies prostrate. Man expires and where is he? As water evaporates from the sea and a river becomes parched and dried up. The question that Job's asking is, is that it? Is that all? We just dry up? Verse 14. If a man dies, will he live again? All the days of my struggle, I will wait until my change comes. So maybe Job is talking about his physical change, but the context is talking about death. So the understanding of the conversation, something's going to happen when I die. I don't know exactly how God is going to make this happen, but some way, somehow, we're going to live. Now, the, the men that are, are around them understand what Job is saying. Look at Job 19 and verse 26. Regarding, maybe the word resurrection is not used, but understanding where we're, that something's going to happen afterwards. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet my flesh, I shall see God. So from my flesh, in my flesh, I'm going to see God. I don't know how, but I'm going to see God. Well, how? When you're dead. The next one, Elihu, he speaks, uh, chapter 33, beginning at verse 29. Behold, God does all these Oftentimes with men to bring back his soul from the pit that he may be enlightened with the light of life from the pit. That's talking about the grave. That God will bring back a man from that pit. He'll bring his soul. See, the, the conversation of, of the resurrection of some sort and however they, whatever they called it at that time is not a new teaching. So there are several resurrections in the Old Testament that we can look at. We could talk about, for just a moment, a picture uh, image. If, uh, the, the Valley of Dry Bones would be a, a type of a resurrection in Ezekiel 37. But I don't want to look at types. I want to look at an actual resurrection or several of them in the Old Testament to increase our faith and our confidence in God. So the first place we'll go is 1 Kings Chapter 17. First Kings chapter 17. And I would ask you as you, as you read these passages that you go back and read, uh, the context. Here's the woman of, of Zarephath regarding, uh, her child. First Kings 17 beginning at verse 17. Now it came about after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house became sick. And his sickness was so severe that 
there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, What do I have to do with you, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my iniquity to remembrance and to put my son to death. And he said to her, Give me your son. Then he took him from her bosom and carried him up to the upper room where he was living and laid him on his own bed. And he called to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, hast thou also brought calamity to this widow with whom I am staying by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and called to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's life return to him. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the life of the child returned to him and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is, uh, excuse me, in your mouth is truth, a resurrection. A man is dead, a young boy is dead, and he comes back to life. If you're a student of the Bible, say, yeah, we, we know that. Second Kings chapter 4. Again, when Jesus began to teach about a resurrection to the students of the Bible, to the children of God, it wasn't, it wasn't a new message. It was a reminder of the discussion of the Old Testament as well as a reminder of events that already occurred uh, on the earth. There's nothing new under the sun. The Shunammite son, 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 18. When the child was grown, the day came that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said to his father, My head, my head. And he said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her lap until noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and return. Now I want you to think about, just for just a moment, the woman of Zarephath, and here the the Shudamite woman, why would they go to the prophet of God at death if they didn't have some kind of understanding, not written obviously when you read the text, if they didn't have some kind of understanding of even though a man dies by the power of God, God can make him live. So she says, go and get the prophet, because I know the prophet can what? What was he going to do? What do you think she was thinking? Yeah, he's going to bring him back to life, right? Now, who would, who would think about the concept? Who would think about the idea or the concept of a resurrection if they didn't already have some kind of understanding? trust and faith and confidence that there is a such thing as a resurrection. 
Instead, they would just say, well, my child has died, and there's nothing more that we can do. They didn't only believe in a resurrection. She believed that he could be dead for days on end. And when the prophet showed up, he could raise that man up, right? Here's a prefiguring of Jesus Christ in the cross, uh, in the tomb, if you will, three days. Lazarus, four days. I mean, in other words, death really can't hold us. They understood this a long time ago. Look, if you will, continuing at verse 23. No, I'm, I'm going to skip down to verse 32. Verse 32. You go back and read the rest of the account. When Elijah came into the house, behold, the lad was dead and laid on his bed. So he entered and shut the door behind them both and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself on him and the flesh of the child became warm. Then he returned and walked in the house once back and forth and went up and stretched himself on him. And the lad sneezed seven times and the lad opened his eyes and he called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite. So he called her and when she came into him, he said, take up your son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and she took up her son and went out. It's kind of weird though, right? Well, I mean, you know, what man has to do. I don't, I don't know how the prophet's received instruction as to what to do but you know he lays on the boy hand for hand eye for eye mouth for mouth eye for eye and then he gets up he walks out walks back in does it again the boy sneezes seven times and he lives a resurrection so again what i'm what i'm showing you and i'm wanting us to think about is that what jesus began to teach when he began to teach about the resurrection it wasn't a new story. It wasn't a new account, should I say. It wasn't new information. It was a reminder of the great power of God so that Christians could remain faithful and true so that when Jesus rose from the dead, it wouldn't be something that would say, this has never happened on the face of the earth. But rather, here's a great reminder of the power of God. The very fact that Jesus would die for us says, it all. Chapter 13, verse 20. When Elisha uh, dies, they they bury him or, or put him in a, 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 a hole of some sort. In verse 20. And Elisha died, and they buried him. Now the bands of the Moabites would invade the land in the spring of the year. And as they were burying a man... Behold, they saw a marauding band, and they cast the man into the grave of Elisha. And when the man touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. Those are good running points, right? <laughs> you saw that? You know, I'm not going to stand around for that one. A resurrection. It's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. It's not something that is new. It is echoed in the Scriptures uh, time and, and time again. Look at some of the psalm. Let's look at Psalm uh, chapter 17. Psalm chapter 17. Let's look at verses uh, 14 and 15. From men with thy hand, O Lord, from men of the world, 
whose portion is in this life, and whose belly thou dost fill with thy treasures. They are satisfied with children and leave their abundance to their babies. As for me, I shall behold thy face in righteousness. I will be satisfied with thee, thy likeness when I awake. So what is he talking about? He's talking about death, and now he's talking about waking up. The idea, the understanding that in, in some way they understood that there is a resurrection. Chapter 16 uh, and verse 10. For thou wilt not abandon my soul to Sheol, this is the prophecy, neither wilt thou allow uh, thy Holy One to undergo decay. So, will not uh, abandon my soul to Sheol. So, the idea, the understanding that, that we live even when we die is there. It's clear. It's it's in their minds. They they have the understanding. Look at chapter forty nine and verse fifteen. Forty nine and verse fifteen. But God will redeem my soul from the power of Sheol the grave, for he will receive me, Selah. So do we have to question that the old testament uh, believers, followers of God had some level of understanding of a type of resurrection in some way. It's clear. And as many times in the scriptures, I just wanted to highlight those few. Um, I think they have more clarity than, than maybe some of the others. But now think about the New Testament then. So Jesus comes along. Let's go to Luke 23. And he, he talks about this, this resurrection and this life after death. Uh, and he, he's clear with it. And they are all believers in this, this resurrection, this life after death. So one of the thieves on the cross is a disciple of John. I believe that to be true. I believe he's a disciple of John because he knew information that he shouldn't have known. If he weren't a disciple of John, he would not have known about the coming kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what John taught, the coming kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. But this man had not... Either he had turned his, had not turned his life around, or, or he, he did at one point and went back into evil. I really don't know, but, so maybe I should not say disciple of John. He understood the teaching of John. Let me say that, so that way it's a little more, uh, uh, clear and accurate. He understood the teaching of John. One criminal, uh, didn't care about what, maybe what John or Jesus taught. The other criminal had some level of understanding of what it is that both Jesus and John taught, there's a kingdom, there's a life after this life. Well, how do we know that? Well, because the thief says in Luke 23, in verse 42, he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. I think it's one of the most beautiful passages in the scriptures that a man on his uh, last you know, uh, dying bed, if you will, could be saved. And I'm not, I'm not saying that someone could do that today without being baptized into Christ. But think about the number of saints that uh, that were on uh, their deathbed or in that moment or in that hour and turned their life back to God. And God uh, perhaps would have re- received them or accepted them. It just shows us that you just keep fighting the fight of faith even to your last breath. As long as you have the breath of life still within you, that the amazing saving grace of God is always there 
and ready for us. And so stay faithful and stay true to the end. And, and God will be there for you. Today, you will be with me. I love that. Today. Not tomorrow. Not that you're going to be in the grave for a long time. You're going to close your eyes in this life. And you're going to wake up in paradise. Isn't that amazing? Right? You think about death, right? This is what death is. We struggle in this body because we don't want to leave it. I think Second Corinthians 5 tells us we don't want to be found naked. We don't want to leave this body. So we fight. This is all we know. And then finally, we give up the ghost. We give up, we give up life, if you will. And, and at that moment, sh- shortly right after that, we end up in that place that Jesus speaks of, that the resurrection brings us to, or the life will, after death will bring us to. Paradise. Right? Paradise with God. And then, when the end comes on that day, when that day comes, it's over. You just transition from paradise Meet up with the saints in the clouds and go to heaven to be with God the Father forever. It's exciting for us. Understanding the resurrection is, I believe, the pivotal point for each child of God in faithfulness. That there is life after death. And that what you do in this life, what you do in this life, will aid you in your relationship with Christ in the life to come. And what you neglect to do in this life, could destroy you in the life to come. In other words, God does expect us to be faithful to Him until the day we leave the earth. There is life after death. Death is not the end, but the beginning. The beginning of eternity for us. So Jesus, in all of His teaching, you you think about Lazarus. John chapter 11. You know, if there was someone in the Bible that, that you had a choice and, and God said, okay, choose anyone in the Bible that you want to be, maybe the one not to be is Lazarus. <laughs> because he had to come back. I mean, when I'm gone, I don't want to come back. The Lord says, Tony, you want to go back and teach some folk? No, I don't want to go back. I'm, I'm already in paradise. I want to stay right here with you forever. But Lazarus came back. In other words, Lazarus was never actually dead. Remember what Jesus said, though you die, you will live. Right? Though you die, you will live. Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. There was this separation of his body from his soul and spirit. But God recalled it. And Lazarus got up. We say this in preacher school. You know why Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth? Because if he had just said, dead folk, come forth, they would have all gotten up, right? But he was specifically talking to Lazarus. John 11 and verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother shall rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Does she have clarity? What do you think? She has complete clarity, doesn't she? Oh, I know. And then the last day, yes, on the day when Jesus comes back, there'll be the resurrection, right? The resurrection on the day. That's the end. We're talking about a resurrection, but on the last day, it's all over. That is the day of the resurrection for, for all. Okay. So she says, I know this. Verse 25. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Now, to the man that doesn't believe this, he'd say, but isn't Lazarus dead? To which Jesus would say, if you only knew, he's fine. He's fine. You see, that's why the scriptures tell us, uh, as God's people, that says, we do not weep as the rest who have no hope. See, for them, those outside of Christ, they, they don't have this understanding of a resurrection or the resurrection, the resurrection day, life after death. They don't have that understanding. Everything that they think of in, in regards to life is right here, right? Flesh and bones and blood and money and fame and fortune and cars and houses and everything they ever know, have known, everything they'll ever know is all right here. But for the child of God, what are we? We're just passing through. Right? We're just passing through. And we know that. We're not going to be here forever. One day, all of us are going to go until Jesus comes back. And that's all right, because we already know. He already told us the end of the story. You stay with God, you just transition from this life and this world to the next. Simple. How many of you believe that? As Jesus to Mary and Martha, do you believe this? How many of us really believe in the resurrection? It's a great question to ask saints, right? How many of us truly, honestly, and sincerely believe in the resurrection? That there is life after death, that we transition from this world to another world. How many of us really believe it? Well, I think when you think about uh, those who walked away from God, maybe, maybe a lot of us really don't believe it or understand it. Maybe we don't understand it. I mean, I know we're human. But thank God that those who go away, I'm so thankful to see they come back. Right? I'm thankful to see when they come back. Praise God. Verse, verse 26. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? What a question. What an amazing and a powerful question. Do you, Tony Cloud, do you do you believe this? Are you just are you just spouting out words, or do you actually believe this? Well, guess what, brethren? For thousands of years, God's people have believed this. Thousands of years, from the beginning, eight thousand plus years ago, they believed this, and we still believe it today. They saw it. They witnessed it. We believe it by faith. We've not witnessed it, but we know it has to be true. They came to the grave, and Jesus was missing. Where did he go? Well, for the saint, for the child of God, we know where he went. Matthew chapter chapter 9. So the, the, the resurrection, you know, God is showing us to us over and over and over again during the life of Jesus, before the life of Jesus, and, and now here we are after the life of Jesus. He's showing this to us over and over again because God wants us to, to believe, to believe that though we die, 
we live again. Now, think about that with uh, the Roman soldiers who came, if they came running through these doors and they asked, you know, where's the preacher? Everyone points at me. <laughs> right? That's good. That's all right. What if they come in here and say, how many of you believe in God? You know, how many of us would raise our hand? How many of you want to die today for Jesus? How many of us would raise our hands? If you don't want to die for Jesus, you leave right now and you're, and how many would run out of the door? How many of us believe in the resurrection and that there's life with God after we leave this earth? Matthew chapter, chapter 9 and verse 23. Jairus' daughter. And when Jesus came into the official's house and saw the, the flute players and the crowd and the noisy disorder, he began to say, depart for the girl has not died, but is sleep. And they began laughing at him. But when the crowd had been put out, he entered and took her by the hand, and the girl arose, and this news went out into all that land. So notice that they were laughing, you know, yeah, right. You don't know what you're talking about. And then she got up. And then she resurrected. God brought her back to life. Even if you die, Death cannot hold. Death cannot hold us. Matthew 27. Remember the, uh, the crucifixion. Then comes this, you know, there are, there are a few strange scriptures around the, uh, the crucifixion. Uh, and, and here's, here's one I want to, want to bring out that, you know, the question of kind of timing. It really doesn't matter, but, but just the fact that there's just so much here. Beginning at verse uh, verse 50. Verse 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. And the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep, died, were raised. And coming out of the tombs, after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. You see, around the death of Jesus and, 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 and his, uh, the, the whole crucifixion and his resurrection, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know if, if the saints came out of the tombs right at his death or if it was at his resurrection. I don't know that, that answer, honestly. But more than Jesus got up, they were they were focused on Jesus, and yet all of these saints, I don't know how many the Bible doesn't tell us, but it tells us that so many saints came out of the graveyards and walked home. And they had a message to tell. We know what that message was, right? Don't be afraid of those Romans. They, they can do nothing. They can do nothing. Jesus said it best. Fear, do not fear him who can kill the body, but unable to kill the soul. Don't worry about the Romans. They can kill the flesh, but they cannot kill the soul. Look at me. I'm alive. I'm well. Look at Jesus. Even though you die, you live. We do not grieve as do the rest. Because we believe in the afterlife. We believe there is life after death. That it is not the end for a child of God. 
It is the beginning. It is the beginning of life. That's the joy of being a child of God. Luke 7, please. Luke chapter 7. I want to begin looking at um, the widow. This is the the son of the, the widow of, of Nain in Luke 7. We're going to begin reading at verse 12. Now as he approached the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a sizable crowd from the city was with her. Now that's important because you have witnesses. There are a lot of witnesses. Okay? Many, many, many witnesses. And when the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her and said to her, Do not weep. And he came up and touched the coffin, and the bearers came to halt. And he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And fear gripped them all. And they began glorifying God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report concerning him went out over all Judea and in all the surrounding district. And the disciples of John reported to him about all these things. So all of this controversy about the Messiah and, and whether he was the Messiah and would he, would he rise from the dead and why would a person become a Christian if he knew that he might get baptized in the waters today and then be, be executed tomorrow because they believed that there was truly life after death. And this, this is not the end. This is the beginning. When we leave this earth, it is the beginning of an eternal blissful relationship with our great and wonderful God. So it happens over and over and over again. Perhaps, I'm, I'm not sure, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, I'm, I'm not sure that the Hebrew writer is not by inspiration writing about the accounts that we've already read in the Old Testament. But I want to read just verse 35 of Hebrews 11 regarding faith. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Were there more? I don't know. I don't know. There are a few that I can read about. But were there more? I, I don't know. But we can believe and understand that the concept, the understanding, the idea of life after death did not begin with Jesus Christ. He wasn't teaching new teachings, but rather those from the very foundation of the earth. The question is, have we been listening? Were they listening? Look back at Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verses 1 uh, and verse verse 2. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about What kind of teaching is this? Is this, that, is this that deep doctrine? No. No. no the resurrection is element. These are first principles. This is not something that, that we have to wrestle with. It's something that, oh, yeah, I get that. That's a clear 
accurate teaching. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, of instruction about washing and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. This is just, these are first principles, right? This is the stuff that's not even debatable. Baptism, just first principles. In, in, in teaching Christ, we have to move beyond first principles and move on to the heavy stuff, the deeper stuff in Christ. So the resurrection, you can not only trust it, you don't have to doubt it, you don't have to debate over it, you, you just know. <laughs> it's, there's nothing to talk about. There, there, you know, there's, there's waterfall from the sky. It's not debatable. <laughs> we could talk about, you know, the clouds and we could talk about all kinds of stuff, but it's not debatable. Is there life after death? It's not debatable. Will there be a resurrection? It's not debatable. We're not talking about something that hasn't already happened, but something that has happened. Every man that's lived on the face of this earth woman and child, who died from Adam until this day, every one of us will live after we die. The ones that have gone before us are already in their eternal home. They're already there. They're there waiting until that day. Right now, they stand outside of time. So as to God, a day is like a thousand years. They're outside of time. We are the only ones within time. We're finite beings within time. We're governed by time. But there is coming a day we will no longer be governed by time. We'll be outside of time. And time will affect us no more. Do you believe in the resurrection? The resurrection at the end. Next week I want to close off this resurrection uh, conversation with the resurrection day. So there are resurrections throughout the Bible, but the resurrection day is at the end. It is the absolute end of all that we know it. Here on the earth, in the atmosphere, in the universe, and people are in their eternal home. So tonight, I, I thank you for your, your time. In a moment, we're going to uh, have a devotional uh, there's an invitation that will be offered for those who like to surrender to Christ. The opportunity is and the blessing is yours. Uh, for those who need special prayers, those who just like made uh, prayers made in their behalf. If you're online, you can uh, contact us and um, through the email address and phone number. Uh, and we will do all that we can to make sure the messages get to the right place and pray with you and pray for you. If there's anything we can do, remember that today is the day of salvation. Right? Thank you very much for your time and participation.